Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Believe, B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. That's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network, and this is the show where we believe in the Detroit Lions, and by the end of it, so will you. I'm your host, Jack Cavanaugh at Javanaugh87, and I am joined once again by the mayor of Detroit, three-time pro bowler for the Lions, Mr. Jerry Ball. How you doing tonight, Jerry? Hey, I'm good, Jack. I'm good. I'm good. You know, just still kind of reeling from this this loss last night. You know, looking at it at the last second in that way. Other than that, I'm doing good. I can't complain. Yeah, it was a painful one to say the least. Like, like you said before the show, anytime you lose in the last couple seconds, it's it's going to be a dagger. Lions do cover the spread though, and so if you bet on the Lions over at betonline.ag with our friends you did make some money so hopefully you made that wise decision no doubt no doubt definitely covered that bet (laughs) you know what at least we can take solace in that They, they they were seven point underdogs and came this close to getting a w so anyways let's kick it over to our friends over at betonline.ag and we'll be right back after this We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And we are back. And it was a heartbreaking loss, like we talked about. Another last minute field goal. Dan Campbell in tears after the game says he's proud of his guys, though. He says it's tough to be 0 5. It's tough to lose like that again. But he was still proud of them. And you don't find your way back in a game like that. If you don't believe, and I think that was a shout out to us. He said the Lions believe, and we believe in the Lions. And the D played well. So, what are your your first over your big thoughts coming out of this one? Well, I, I would tell you, you know, one, 
you know, in looking at it a number of different ways, you know, the Lions themselves had an opportunity to truly win the game. You know, other than the second quarter, the Lions actually, if you look at the scoreboard, had either tied or, you know, maintained, uh, uh, I guess you would say, an even level with, you know, the Vikings. And to go all the way down, I think it was like four minutes and 30 seconds, they were only down by a touchdown. And by one minute and 38 seconds, they had taken the lead. Mm-hmm. You know, in a short period of time. So that showed a lot of character in the team. Um, I do believe that there are some things that they're going to have to tighten up, you know, um, in you know, in the secondary. You know, um, I, I think, you know, in some of the ways that the guys were playing and stuff, and we can get into it a little later, but I think we got to tighten that that part of it up. And then, you know, I didn't like the fact that, you know, I didn't see golf really get a, get his feet set on a lot of passes. You know, they kind of were, you know, harassing him. And we're going to talk about that, too. So I, overall, I think it was it was a good effort, just not good enough losing that game in the last seconds. You know, one like that in Baltimore and then to come and lose this one after rallying back to take the lead in a circumstance typically where you got to go two possessions that normally don't really happen like that. And, and that, that was one of the things that really impressed me, like the, the grit, the determination and the decision to go for two. Dan Campbell said it was easy for to make that decision. He would rather win the game in overtime than send it or what win the game in regulation rather than send it to overtime. You get the score and you're done with it. It gives you the best chance to win the game. But my football conscience has to have his little say in, in here as well. Well, I, I tell you, you know, one, you know, that definitely uh, is going to be getting a award for one that's not a scared to go for two or, you know, do the fourth and whatever the distance is. I think, you know, the one that actually shows the players and really players really get excited when the head coach will believe in them that much that he'll take that risk. And and really, when you're competing at this level, I mean, you're going against the best talent in the world and you always want to put your test against the best. You know, it don't matter if you're playing a scrub, you know, so anytime that you can line up with uh, another peer eye to eye and say, my will is tougher than yours and you succeed, you know, that doesn't do anything but build character for the team, but it also builds a way of winning. It really does. And like, we believe in the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell believes in his guys and the wins are going to come eventually. Like when you're, in these types of games where it's this close to the game against the Ravens, literally a game of inches, the game against the Vikings, another game of inches. At some point, Dan Campbell says, we're going to be on the other side of this. We are going to be getting the W's instead of the last second losses. It will bounce your way eventually, hopefully sooner than later. But the fight that we've seen, it has been so nice. And they did strike first too. They get the field goal up three, nothing on the Minnesota Vikings. And you've been there in Minnesota on both sides. What, what does that do to a crowd like the Minnesota Vikings had there when they go down three, nothing right at the start? Well, I tell you what, there in Minnesota, that crowd is going to always be a factor. And for the Lions to go in and again, hostile territory, take it down first series, put a nice little, 
series together and walk away with three, that was a big plus. And that's something to build on every week, too. Anytime that you can do that, like I said, at the first last week, at the first of a game and then the first of that third quarter, if you can strike and, and get three-yard touchdown, that's a great thing. And, and it actually shows that your team came in, you know, hot, ready to go. Yeah, you've talked about that quite often, just building the momentum that way. So Vikings march down the field. They tie it 3-3. And then the second drive for the Lions, it ends after a Panay Sewell. He's beat on back-to-back sacks yeah. by Everson Griffin. Goff fumbles on the second one, and it's it's the Vikings ball. Dan, or, uh, yeah, so Dan Campbell says they might be getting Taylor Decker back this week. Does that shake things up a little bit, or are we still just letting the rookie take his lumps? Well, I tell you what, though, you know, just to be honest with you, Griffin is no slouch. I mean, he's no. one of the top tier defensive ends in the game. I mean, and he's been that for some years. So, uh, one, he getting baptized by a, a seasoned veteran like that, it definitely allows him to understand the standard and what level he has to compete at. I think, though, he was really, you know, overmatched from the skill set standpoint. And, you know, this is a young guy. You know, this guy's 20 years old. I mean, he's, you know, truly a young guy going against a guy that has man strength. And man strength really come in at about 26 years old. And that's where you don't really have to lift weights. You, what you have is going to be, you know, good enough. But I would say this. You know, if they get Decker back, it's definitely going to help solidify the line because the play on the line itself, you know, kind of had, you know, golf Jared real, you know, I, I ain't going to say he had antsy feet. But if you look at a lot of his throws, he all his feet, his position is his feet were always horizontal. Whereas you got to step toward where you're throwing, and he didn't get a lot of chances to do that because they kept him moving out of the pocket. Even if they wasn't hitting, they actually was throwing off the timing. And that was one of those things I said last week was that, you know, that the secondary would have to give the defensive line enough time to get to him and and, and cover, which they – they, they, I think Aaron had them in the right defense. I think that the cornerbacks actually didn't play the scheme right. And and this is what I mean. On one play, which we'll talk about the secondary later. I know we was just talking about the line, but more There's important. To talk about. Yeah, but more importantly, you know, uh, Sewell definitely, you know, was overmatched. Yeah, and – He's so young, youngest player in the NFL, Everson Griffin. He has that that wily veteran know-how to, to do it. He's got the spin moves. He's got the chops. Very impressive. And like we talked about, too, uh, we had the new center, Evan Brown, this week, stepping in for Frank Ragnow. Uh, that probably played a lot of into why Goff couldn't really step up, get his feet facing forward, because he just didn't He didn't feel right. Uh, would be yeah. something that would uh, – that. I don't know. It, it It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And you got to adapt as things go. So Vikings get the ball back, kick a field goal up six to three, and then they stall and they punt after five plays. The lions do Vikings go on an eight play 73 yard drive. Justin Jefferson puts up over half of the yards there, catches two balls for 36. He, he looked pretty uncoverable 
throughout the game. And then they cap it off with an Alexander Madison 15 yard catch and run from Kirk Cousins. And outside of this, I will say it was a lot of bend, but don't break like that drive. They got beat pretty badly, but they were giving up yards and then holding them in the red zone outside of this. So that was nice at least. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, one of the things is you try to not put yourself in that position, whereas you have to play that red zone defense. Um, one of the things that I was just saying when we were talking about Griffin and Sewell, and the combination play with the secondary, you know, you had situations where uh, it looked like it was a man zone where you come in, but the corners were, you know, in their disguise too long. So mm. when they would actually be coming back to get in front of Jefferson, the ball would be hiking and that wouldn't create the disruption of the route. And it was like he was getting free releases on one play. If you remember, it was a third and, I guess a decent distance and he just made an inside release just straight across the field. And when he made that up, I mean, the, the cornerback or no one disrupted anything. And it was, it wasn't even a timing route. It was just, he ran across the field because he had a free release. And I believe that if they would have had a little bit more cover, the defensive line was playing pretty good ball. Actually, mm -hmm. they were getting some pressure on Cousins. So he wasn't sitting back there like he was at the beach. You know, he was having to move around as well. So, but it was just that hair or disruption in the routes that was needed so that they could get to him. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship like you keep talking about. You can't have good coverage without a good pass rush. You can't rush the passer when you let a guy have a free release like that. And Justin Jefferson, don't get me wrong, he is Ooh. special. Like, he is yes, a sir. special talent. He, like, just moves so well. And it's just, I would love for the Lions to get a receiver of that caliber. Although the receiver core takes a hit here. Goff hits Quintez Cephas, hits him on a slant. He beats Patrick Peterson for 21 yeah. yards. And then he broke his collarbone, does not return, might yeah. not return for the rest of the season, which is just, that's, that's tough. So like, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the game later, but for Cephas, how do you come back from that where it's, you, you want to play this year, but you might not be able to like yeah. describe that process. Well, you know, once, anytime that you have an injury, you have to really be diligent in understanding the injury. You know, I would tell you that sometimes, you know, in the game of football, you know, we put playing over pain. You know, it's like you play with pain and things like that. But now there is, you know, a little bit more intelligence and, and knowledge about how to approach injuries, uh, specifically a collarbone, you know, that's a stress point, you know, and he's a receiver. So you got DBs that will be jamming him in his collarbone. When he hit the ground, he'll be falling and getting the compression of the ground on the collarbone. So it's going to be real tough, I think, for him to get back. Now, if it's, you know, what they would say as a, a bruise or where you could see that it didn't actually break all the way through, you know, he may be able to come back, but he's going to definitely labor, you know, with some pain from from the beginning. But again, you know, the, the mind and the body and adrenaline, you know, you can do some phenomenal things. But I do believe that if he comes back too soon, then he'll definitely extend how long his recovery will be. 
And it really does feel like the coaches are being sensitive to that. Like you've seen with Taylor Decker, it's a broken finger. He could have come back a little bit earlier if they pushed him, but they're letting these players take their time to heal properly. It really shows like a, a trust between the coaching staff. Oh, uh, between the coaching staff and the players as well that, Hey, we're not going to put you in a bad situation. So that's good to hear. I hope that Cephas does come back well, comes back healthy. And because of that beautiful catch, though, it, the Lions are able to kick a 52-yard field goal, send it to half down 13-6. to six. And that you've got to feel pretty good go, go, taking it to the Vikings. You're seven-point underdogs. You're still in it. You're only down by one score. That's got to yeah. feel pretty good. Hey, well, they held 13 to 6, like I said, until the fourth quarter, four minutes and 30 seconds. It was 13 6, same score. So they were in the whole position, always in position to actually score and win the game. Yeah. And, and that also says something, too, about the defense, how well they played, because they kept that offense under 21 points. And like I said last week, that that would be the challenge. And if they could do it, it was going to give them a chance to win. And and it did that. It really did. And it feels like something was set at halftime, got the guys juiced up because the Vikings got the ball first. They go three and out. Lions just completely shut them down on that first drive. They get the ball back. TJ Hawkinson gets his second reception of the game. And that's an issue that I do have that it was only, the second, the first drive of the second half, 14 yard catch. And he ends his day with two grabs for 22 yards like that. He's your best player. That can't happen. Yeah. Well, the expectation was to definitely try to see if they could get him involved in the game. I mean, like you said, he's one of the better players, but I will tell you that, you know, sometimes when you look at a system and you see how a quarterback is actually favoring certain receivers, you know, it's a timing, it's some confidence. I think, you know, between, um, what's his name? Hodge. Mm, And uh, St. Brown. And St. Brown, to me, those are the two receivers that it seemed like, you know, Jared was looking to, you know, and St. Brown being the big play and hard for the money, meaning the need to catch the possession receptions. That seemed kind of how it looked like he was leaning in the game, you know, and it could have been coverage, you know, because Minnesota does have good, good linebackers. So keeping yeah. the tight end. Covered could could have been part of the scheme as well, but I, I do believe that those two other guys. It and, and and to be honest about just the overall, you know, when you look at the offense itself, when Swift is in the game, the offense moves more efficient, and it's a, a more it's potentially a more efficient and dangerous offense. And here's mm-hmm. When Williams is in the game, you kind of play him to the run, strong run. But when Swift is in the game, you got that that double issue. He can run, and he can get out in space, and he's a good receiver. So really, it's three things. So when the Lions are using Swift and allowing him to really get the rhythm it seems like the offense one moves faster, the line about, about better. And then that goes also to the style of running backs. You know, some running backs can hit a hole downhill. Some running backs are coming, then they'll glide in the hole. 
Some running backs, you know, they dip in the hole. Some running backs run, you know, high, but they're down low enough. So in style, it looks like, you know, Swift runs better behind that blocking scheme. That's to me. I, I I am a avid DeAndre Swift fan, so you're not going to hear me argue with you in the slightest. He can he just rips off those those little 15 yard runs, those little 15 yard catches, and just put, like puts up play after play, gets you the first down. Big DeAndre Swift fan. Back to the game though. That drive after Hawkinson gets the ball, gets a second reception. Goff ends the drive with a really bad interception right into the hands of Eric Kendricks. They respond well, though. They hold the Vikings to three and out. They punt after the interception. So uh, describe the psychology of that. Like you have thrown an interception, but your defense came up and stepped up big, got you the ball back. What's, What's going through your head now as the Lions still down 13 to six? Well, because you are in hostile territory, anytime that you have a big play or a turnover, you're going to, you know, get the crowd in it. So for the Lions to come back and respond on defense and, and really hold hold that point, that was that was real good because at that point, you know, the momentum, the energy, and everything that is given that other team can really, you know, get things running downhill for you. But the Lions did respond, and I think that that was a good situation that you kind of seen how your defense would respond. So I think that was a good situation, not the interception, but what the defense did after. And even when things go wrong, you can still build off of that. I'm sure that was a big team-building stand. Lions on the next drive, they run six plays. They don't get a whole lot of ground. They punt it back. And then the Vikings' first play of the drive, 48-yard run by Alexander Madison. And this is what I mean with the bend-but-don't-break kind of mindset they've had. Because the next play, Alex Alexander... Ah, Alexander Anzalone, he picks off Kirk Cousins, returns the favor, another defensive play. Yep, yep, yep. that was a big play. You know, that deflection itself and he getting to the ball was definitely a big play. But I will tell you now, the guy, Madison Mm -hmm. and Jefferson, you know, those guys are uh, solid players. But the guy, Madison, you know, in the NFL, matter of fact, in all football, and this is one thing that, you know, fans and particularly you know running backs dbs linebackers don't want to hear is that they are a dime a dozen and what i mean by that is is that there are a lot of good running backs that's sitting on the sideline madison is an example that kid right there he can play football and he was running that ball with some real authority and it wasn't like he was new to it you know so i looked at you know how he played, and I was like, man, uh, the guy Cook, if he was there, I wonder what he would have done and how the defense would have swung. Because sometimes you play your defense different depending on whether or not a running back can break one from 60. You know, some running backs are good in possession, but once they get past 40 to 60 yards, they don't have the long haul to go the distance. So, so defenses won't worry about, you know, not running them down, and they'll cheat the safety up. You know, but if you get someone that can go to distance from anywhere on the field, then you play a little different. 
So I believe that the defense itself, though, because of having some of those big plays with Jefferson and Madison, they held their composure after giving up those big plays, you know, because all of them were some, some I would say, momentum-type plays, too, that could, again, got the game out of hand, could have had the emotions high enough, whereas they could have used that to rally. Yeah, and like you said, Alexander Madison, 153 yards from the backup running back. Like that, that can be a absolute dagger to the heart of your defense, especially when Justin Jefferson, he goes for 124 yards too, but it doesn't matter. They just keep holding the Vikings to field goals. They punt back and forth with each other. Lions or Vikings put together a nice drive, get a field goal, but again, hold them to a field goal. And then that's where the Lions go for it, fourth and 15 on their own 43. Down 16 to six, just three minutes left. They fail, but the Vikings miss their field goal. So it ends up being the right decision in the end. And Dan Campbell talked about it like after the game, just in the moment, those decisions, they're tough, but you've, you've got to put your team in the best situation to win. Yeah, yeah. Those are tough decisions, you know, and the four down at that distance and stuff, that would be a tough one for me to pull, you know, not not because I don't have the guts. It's just that, you know, typically you're not going for you're not going to do that. How and most teams probably don't have like one or two plays on the fourth and 15 play call sheet, I imagine. Well, I mean, th- there are, you know, those, you know, last minute you know, drills that, you know, when you going in for a win, you know, yeah, there, there are definitely plays like that that are designed to get big gains. But, you know, defenses are going to play far enough back, whereas they're not going to try to give up the six. So they'll, long, they'll try to keep you in front of, you know, in other words, like when the DBs, you know, are covering, long as the receivers are running in front of them, they're fine. They'll make the tackle. So, you know, it's just a matter of how, you know, you know, the way the coaches had coached our DBs is like if they're on a fourth and seven or fourth and nine, fourth and twelve, they'll tell that secondary, you staying on that ninth on the on the twelfth yard line, you know, and you come downhill and you stop everything short of that. So that's kind of, you know, what's going on in that situation from a defensive standpoint. But it was it was a big deal. It was a he, he got some big chips. Let me say it that way. <laughs> yep, some big stones on Dan Campbell. Yeah. Vikings missed their field goal and the Lions get it back at the 39-yard line. An 18-yard pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. Like you said, he's coming in clutch. He's really developing to a receiver they can trust or trust then it's a 21 yard catch and run from our guy deandre swift just he continues to make plays when they need him most lions get to the 22 kick the field goal go down 16 to 9 vikings get the ball back and that's when this bend but don't break defense comes in clutch alexander madison he takes the ball they think they're gonna kill some time run out the clock we've just got two and a half minutes left Fumble! Jalen Reeves-Maben gets the takeaway and the recovery. And Dan Campbell gave him all the credit after the game for that. Lions get the ball back at the Vikings 20. 
and they end up scoring on it. It was just beautiful. 10 yards again to Amon Ross St. Brown, seven yard touchdown run for DeAndre Swift. They go up 16 to 15 and like rather than play or sorry, they go down 16 to 15 rather than play for the tie. Dan Campbell keeps the offense on the field. They go for two and it works. Kaderil Hodge comes away to put them up 17 to 16 in the back of the end zone. And just these young receivers, Kaderil Hodge, he's bounced around the league. Amon Ross St. Brown, the fourth round pick. Like you have to love these young guys coming up when you need them most. Yeah, I, I would say that again, you know, they, they played a, a game and they kept it where they had a chance to win and, and to be there at the end, those situations will start going their way, you know, and, and I wouldn't be discouraged as if I'm an 0-5 team, like, you know, and I'm truly at the bottom of the barrel, you know, when we know that we can compete and, and play against, you know, some good teams, you know, just look, you know, Minnesota and Baltimore to go down the way that it is. Both of those teams are expected to be in the playoff hunt, you know? Yeah. And even with the last second field goal against both of them, they still were held to 19 points, both the Vikings and the Ravens. Those are quality right. offenses, my friend. That is, right. we, we don't like talking about the moral victories, but it is a moral victory. Like it is something you have to hang your hat on and just build off of that. And unfortunately, we, we got to talk about that last drive. Adam Thielen rips off a 21 yard catch. Next play rips off a 19 yard catch. Vikings get to the 36, Craig Joseph, 54-yard field goal to lose the game, 19-17. to 17. What's the message going to be after a heartbreaking loss like this? Like, what's the conversation heading into next week? I think, you know, Coach has to go in and keep his guys, you know, steady, you know, keep their belief in the system. I, I do believe that, you know, after the first half, you know, Aaron showed that he could make those type of adjustments because they shut the piece down with Jefferson because in that second quarter kind of got away. So they made a great midstream adjustment during halftime by um, shutting him down. And then, you know, again, if, you know, Swift, to me, if he's running the ball, and using Williams as, you know, the person that's giving him a breather, you know, I would give him a steady dose of Swift. I'm handing it to him, and I'm passing it to him out the back. You know, Swift is similar to Marshall Falk, you know, oh. but I – but yeah, he is. He just – he doesn't have the, the running style as Marshall, but he has the game that Marshall has, whereas he's tough. He can get out in the in the route, catch the ball, and we clearly see that he can run the ball. You know, so you know, to me, Swift, Swift is to me the the horse I would ride right now. That's the highest of praise. Marshall Falk, probably the best dual threat running back in terms of receiving and catch or receiving and running the football. I I can't say I disagree though. DeAndre Swift is dynamic. Get the ball in that hands, that man's hands, and let him make a play. So I gotta ask you this then. Is he Jerry's baller of the weekend, DeAndre Swift? <laughs> well, actually, my baller of the week is um 
I forget the kid's name. Number twenty-one. Um, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, Tracy Walker. I think that the safeties played real well, and specifically Tracy. Tracy showed up and made a lot of good plays, and they were solid plays. And, and a lot of them were those plays that was getting them off the field. And that's when you want your best players to make plays is when they need to get off the field. Players make plays. You know, so he would definitely be my player of the game. And that that really does speak to the the safety position versus the running back position. Like safeties, it's a good thing when you don't get noticed because it means you're just making steady plays. You're not getting beat. Whereas the running back, you have to get noticed. You have to be making those yeah. flat running back flash over substance, safety substance over flash. Well, well, but hey, but let me tell you, but that other ward, you know that that <laughs> that peanut butter and jelly. Jay and Jay, Jack and Jerry go together like PB and J. So what's the PB and J play of the day? When Swift ran over that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was football right there. Now, let me tell you something. You know, Swift is fast enough where he could elude defenders, right? He actually seen him and took it to him. And when he ran, that truly, to me, gave the lines that burst because after that, that's when they turned it on. It's like he set the tempo just with that run because that was a hell of a run. Hell of a run by a hell of a player. And I, yes, I my, my, uh, my pick for play of the day is going to be that two-point conversion catch by Kaderil Hodge just because the the – the mo the impact of it, the young receiver stepping up in a big way. I have to make sure he gets his half tip as well. So going forward, talked about DeAndre Swift, 104 yards and a touchdown on the day. Receivers, though, Quintez Cephas, he's out. Tyrell Williams, his status is up in the air. We don't know. Amon Ross St. Brown kind of looks like the new Cooper Cup for Jared Goff, if I'm being honest. And then we've got Kaderil Hodge as well. So what do we need this offense to build on going forward? What should be the focus outside of DeAndre Swift? Because it, it can't be all Swift as much as we would like it to be that. Well, we definitely got to get the tight end because I believe the tight end gets, you know, a different element of routes involved. I, I believe, you know, you get Williams back, but, you know, the St. Brown and Hodge, I think are, are some solid receivers. And I would really be focused on trying to get Hodge the ball and stretching the field with St. Brown. You know, now when it comes to the tight end, you know, I think it's, it's really about how creative they are in, in the play calling. You know, one of the things I did like with what they did, I seen them run a lot of trips. They went and when they went into the trips and they were throwing that outside screen with the receivers leading downfield, that was a great play. But that was the type of creativity I feel that they're going to have to put in to get the tight end in the game, find a way to get him in the game so that you can, you know, isolate that linebacker and keep him from from drifting and floating around. So I think that's one of the key things that they're going to have to do. And of course, you know, if if the back is running the ball, that also opens it up as well. 
there's a lot of ways to start opening up this offense, especially as we see St. Brown and Hodge step up a little bit more. That's only going to create space for TJ over the middle, run a little play action to DeAndre Swift and just pop it in over the linebackers there. Just that's, that's the stuff I want to see from TJ Hawkinson. Let the man run with the ball in his hands, get him in space, just like DeAndre Swift does. So now it's time for the defense and the guys up front. They continue to play really well. Like Charles Harris steps in with when uh, Aquara goes down with the Achilles tear. Four pressures from him. He gets a sack as well. Trey Flowers, he's being banged up. He has a sack and two pressures. The big man, Aleem McNeil, he started bringing the heat on Kirk Cousins too. Nick Williams too. Four tackles from him as well on the defensive line. These young guns are really stepping up. I I do want to see a little bit more from Michael Brockers though. He doesn't end up with any tackles on the day and just the one pressure as well. Yeah. Well, you know, again, sometimes, you know, the stats don't always tell the story. You know, when I was playing nose guard, you know, the, the, my chief and primary job first was to keep the linemen off of the linebackers mm-hmm. and they were, it was their responsibility to make the tackles. You know, so if I was caught up in making tackles and looking at the number, you would think I had a bad game. But in some cases, I have, I've had great games and I might have had one or two tackles, you know, so so that's not going to always tell the story. But I will say that McNeil, I watched him quite a bit in this game and I think he got a lot of potential, you know, and. And I watched that he was, you know, relentless on his pass rushing, too. So I think that, you know, the Lions definitely had some young guys that can get after it. And again, like I said last week, you know, on most teams, the defensive line actually sets the tempo and the identity of the team. And the Lions, if they're going to turn that corner, that defensive line is going to be what pushes them forward. And they have a solid line when everybody's there. But right now, like I said last week, the defensive line is going to have to carry. And it's that continuity that we need to see them continue to build. Like Trey Flowers, once he starts playing with the rookie, they start working on those stunts and such. Uh, Good things are coming for the Detroit Lions on defense. And hopefully that leads to better performance from the secondary. That's kind of where they got killed at times. Mani Oruwariye, he gives up, he has targets targeted six times, gives up five receptions for 101 yards. AJ Parker, the slot corner, he gives up all seven targets for 60 yards. Rookie out of Arkansas, he ends up drawing the start. We had talked last week about CJ Moore. Does he draw another start or do they move to someone else? They go with Jerry Jacobs, the rookie, over the second year player. And Jacobs has an all right day, two receptions for 35 yards, but. I, I want to see some more of what you were saying where it's, you know, let keep everything in front of you and make those hard tackles. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I think the secondary played good a lot better in the second half, but there are some technical things that I think I'm sure that Aaron is going to correct because if I could see it on television, when they're breaking down the film again, and specifically, Number 24, I don't want to chop up his name. Say his name for me again. Oh. Amani Oruwariye. Just call him A.O. if you can't remember. It's it's right. A.O. All right. Well, A.O. has sometimes, you know, when guys are, are, are good players, they get overconfident 
in their technique. And because he was dealing with a guy that was a great player like Jefferson, he should have been more technique focused than getting into the battle with him. If you ever watch Deion Sanders on any film, I don't care who it is. When he line up in front of that man, he's always broke down with his hips closed. He's not standing up. He's not walking toward the man, and then the play starts. When that play starts, Dion is broke down in front of him. And those guys are taking that I'm a pro type attitude, and instead of going and line up in front of the guy so when the ball is snapped, he can use his technique, they're standing straight up, and then they're having to then drop their hips to get into the back pedal. All that's wasted motion, you know. And if you're gonna if you're gonna disguise the blitz, or you want to, you know, bluff the the blitz, that's what they're doing. But always make sure you can get back to the leverage point that you need to have on that receiver. And I think that's one of the key things that they're gonna have to do. Stop trying to be a pro and be a pro, you know? That's a very good point. And we saw it for years, like Deion Sanders versus this man, Michael Irvin, like he, even on those snaps, just down low, not taking himself too seriously. It's, it's all about the technique. So hopefully, yep. yeah, we can see a little bit of that coming in. Hey, oh, he had two picks in back-to-back games too. So, you know, maybe he's riding a little bit high. You get confident, you get a little sloppy at times. It can happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll just tell you about a pick, you know. I I actually got a pick against the Jacksonville Jaguars and scored a touchdown on it and stuff. So even the fat boys can get a pick. (laughs) We're going to have to look that up and get incorporated in the video package or something like that. I got to go look that up after this. How how many yards were you running there, Jerry? 66 yards at the time they said it was it was the actually longest interception run by a guy over 300 pounds that's what they told me during the time i thought that i I figured it was just one of those fat jokes they definitely was teasing me about the oxygen after (laughs) oh that's just cruel no i i think that's just straight impressive probably delivering a couple stiff arms on the way to the end zone gotta see in those plays from the defensive line here Hey, well, actually, I had a, a pretty nice escort and stuff. Pat Swillen and a couple of other guys, Russell Maryland, they were escorting me. They all were asking me for the ball. And I'm like, man, you block. I'm going to run this one in, <laughs> in my mind. Like, no, do you know what it is for a nose guard to get an interception? That is the rarity of rares, you know? Yeah. And then they get the <laughs> touchdown to cap it off. Just, oh, you can't beat it. Jerry Ball set in history. Hey, there you go. <laughs> well, we'll make sure that we get that video package in- included and start showing those highlights going forward. But wrapping things up here from the Vikings game, any f- final big thoughts on the your, your former team, the Detroit Lions, versus your former team, the Minnesota Vikings? Well, they got to play them again, mm-hmm. you know. So At home, too. That- yeah, and, and and I think if they can take from it, they it's going to give them the confidence of knowing that they went into their house and had a chance to walk out of there with a win. And that should give them a lot of confidence and stuff. Hopefully by that time, the offensive line is back and they've gotten that continuity and stuff and, and they're rolling, 
You know, I think the team is going to move forward in a good way. They just got to keep swinging the axe. And the other thing that's good about playing through these injury aspects is so early that you're getting a chance to also see some of these backups and putting them in a situation that you know whether or not they're going to be ready to play if something happened later on and we make it in the playoffs. And speaking to that, getting healthy and building towards something, built, getting the full the full unit at strength. Taylor Decker, we talked about it, does have a chance to return from the broken finger. We'll see on Wednesday. We'll talk about it later in this week. But tentatively, they're going to keep him at left tackle. But we will be previewing that on Thursday with the Believe in Lions preview versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And one final note. Defensive line getting stronger too. Preseason darling Kevin Strong is back this week as well. Did you watch much Kevin Strong this preseason? Yeah, he he showed some flashes uh, uh, that he can be a, definitely a dominant player and stuff. It'll be good to have him back and see what he can put in the mix as well. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. We're building something good. We've got good things going for the Lions. We're getting healthy. The young players are stepping up. So I'm excited to see where we can go from this. So before we head out, just a reminder that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. But if we have no further thoughts, Jerry, where can the people find you? And what what do you got going on in the background? Hey, I got my YouTube channel that we're launching this month. And you can find me on Jerry Wrecking Ball on Instagram and JerryBall93 on Twitter and facebook make sure you check out jerry on all of the socials you can find me everywhere at javanaugh 87 and without further ado it's time to break it down you ready jerry yes sir one two three we, we believe. believe i believe i believe i believe i love the lions say it with me i love the lions i believe i believe Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.